Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast, an audio breakdown of the regulatory barriers to social equity in the cannabis industry by Marijuana Matters. My name is Deanna Benjamin, and I'm your host. If you're listening to this episode as someone entirely outside of the world of cannabis, but you're interested in where the industry is going, please stay with us. The conversation you're about to hear might inspire you to find your niche in weed. I get to talk to Amber Norwood today, who is someone who left the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami to enter the cannabis industry in California. Her experience working for the U.S. Attorney's Office brought her face-to-face with the injustice of cannabis prohibition, and so she decided to do something about it. As co-founder of Weed the People Law, Amber uses her legal experience to consult clients looking to acquire cannabis licenses. She's also in the midst of developing a women-centered cannabis brand called Paws, which will provide edibles, pre-rolls, tinctures, and pens. Her story and vision are unique, and a reminder that your future can be as creative as you choose to be bold. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, This series that we're delving into is just getting a closer look at all of the brilliant uh, women who have been a part of our inaugural Minorities in Cannabis Boot Camp, Mike Boot Camp for short. So earlier this year, Marijuana Matters launched this boot camp. It's a free virtual program designed to help cannabis entrepreneurs who want to grow their own business and strengthen their positions within the cannabis community and the cannabis industry. And today I am here with Amber Norwood. She is one of the very first of our participants. Um, Amber, we're really excited to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's, it's our pleasure. It's just for those of you who are listening, these interviews are so helpful because we're getting to, to hear from people building their cannabis brands from the ground up, what that process is like, or strengthening their brands, um, what that process has been like. And that's, that's useful for everybody because this is still a pretty new industry. So on that note, Amber, can you start off by telling us what brought you into the cannabis industry of all places? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um, I... I've always had an interest, you know, in, in different fields. And um, being from California, you know, we're, we're a very lax, liberal, like kind of a hippie state. And cannabis has been around. Like it's been around, I'm gonna be honest, my family, my, my aunts and uncles, and you know, it's not something that's new. That was, that was new to me. Um, so the, being around cannabis is, it feels natural, honestly. Um, I don't, Previously, before I got into this industry, I was at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami, which is a totally different gamut. Um, we were, you know, <laughs> you know, what the U.S. Attorney's Office does, yeah. and so I didn't feel like that aligned with my personal, you know, uh, values and the way and my personal outlook on different aspects of, you know, the different things like like incarceration and how many more brown and black people are getting sentenced longer than uh, other counterparts for similar crimes and things of that nature. So it was more like an ethical thing. Decided I wanted to sway away from that heaviness that I was feeling. And so I had an opportunity to, uh, I was living in Miami. I had a daughter at that time. I wanted to come back to California. 
and I was looking for, you know, jobs that, you know, required a legal background or some kind of like governmental background. And this job popped up in Glendale with this uh, cannabis consulting firm. And it said, do you, do you have a, a legal background? Are you comfortable working in cannabis? And I was like, yes, yes. And so I applied for the job. I was in Miami and I got hired. And that was about four and a half years ago. Yeah, that was about four and a half years ago. So I've been in the industry ever since then. Wow. Okay. Like there's just so much. Well, first of all, when you say Miami, are you talking about Miami, Florida? Yes. Ah, that is where I was born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miami, <laughs> Florida. Very cool. And you were working at the U.S. Attorney's Office. I mean, so you... I must have had a really close up view of the war yes. drugs or just the, yes. what, what was that? If you don't mind, like, what was that like for you? So y'all can't see her, but I'm looking at this beautiful black woman who is a my, double minority, at least. I don't know all of your identifiers, but you are a woman, you are black and you were working for the government as a lawyer um, or in the legal field. What was, what was that like? like witnessing it and then just experiencing that in those identities, if you don't mind sharing. Sure, honestly, it, it was kind of heartbreaking actually. Like, you know, like when you go to law school, they tell you, you go, you go out here, you get these jobs, you go work for a firm, you go clerk for a judge and you go out there and you do what's best for, for your client, you do what's best for your, for your firm, you do what's best for, in my case, like we do what's best for America. Yeah. And um, it, that just wasn't the case. That was the case, you know. I saw a lot of a lot of a lot of a disproportionate, you know, sentencing and the way we would approach different cases. Added being a brown or black person as opposed to other counterparts, asset forfeitures, um, how they were handled for the more wealthy, and then how it was handled for you know the less you know impoverished. Yeah. And just that disparity just didn't sit well with me. You know, it, was, it just wasn't. It just it's just not what. I, I'm, I'm all about, you know, you follow the law, you follow the rules as, as much as possible. A lot of rules have like great areas, I understand that. But at the same time, it's just like, be fair, you know, and, and coming from the U.S. Attorney's Office, it wasn't fair. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm big on being fair, you know, across the board. So I was like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Like, this doesn't make me happy. And you know, I would go home and I have that heaviness on me, knowing that somebody's going to be sentenced for, mm -hmm. go away for the next 78 months, which sounds like nothing, but you calculate it and it's a lot. You know, from his family, from he was a sole provider, this and that, or she was a sole provider, this and that, and it all falls apart. And I've been, I've been personally, uh, I won't say a victim, but I've, I've had that experience as well. My father being incarcerated and going away, and he was the glue, and he, you know, my mom having to hustle harder and make things happen for her kids, you know. So I can feel where these families are coming from, and for me to be that person or on the team, that this is what we're gonna do. You know, that's what we're paid to do. We have to do what's right for America, you know? So that was, it, was, it really touched home. And I was like, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, thank you for sharing that. That's, it's powerful. It makes me think, you know, when it, because I'm, I'm like you and that rules, I like rules. You know, rules mm -hmm. give me a sense of comfort. I like to follow the rules. I'm raising my kids to follow the rules. But then when right. the rules are born from a place of hate. <laughs> right. You know, like you see how no matter how hard you try to, to do the right thing, you can't because the right. rule is not designed to do the right that's thing. That's right. Yeah, that's powerful. And I love how, you know, you were like, let me find something else. And then you entered the most legally gray industry <laughs> <laughs> that exists right now. So yes. tell us about, so 
you got experience working for this cannabis consulting company, helping with legal, but now you're, you're developing your own brand. So tell us about Weed the People. Um, what, are, what do you do? How did you get the idea to kind of uh, move autonomously and do your own thing? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so, well, at my time at the, I was working at a company called Siva Enterprises in Glendale and they reached, they were at a point where they didn't know if they wanted to go left with their, what they were doing or they wanted to go right. And that uncertainty, like me being like, I like to be proactive instead of reactive. And I didn't feel as comfortable and safe, you know, at that, at that place anymore. So I spoke to the owner. I told him, you know, like, Hey, I appreciate everything you taught me. I really want to just go out and try my, do my own thing. And he was just like, okay, let me know if you need anything. I'll, you know, I have contacts and yada, yada. So I was gone with his blessing. And after that, I, I, I met a, a young lady who's an attorney in um, St. Pete, um, Shannon Ligon. And she is very like, like strong about you know, activism and you know, pushing uh, legislation forward and things of that nature. And we just kind of clicked. And so we were saying, hey, you know, you're in Florida and Florida was a, another key state for cannabis. Um, and I'm in California. He's like, let's, merge, let's make a company. And we'll just call it like, We the People. And we can cover both sides of the coast. So while we're pushing forward in what Florida has going on, which is like a big mess, um, <laughs> but uh, we can do California as well. So we came together and what we do is we just handle like licensing, compliance, um, lobbying for different uh, you know, groups, different states, different municipalities. And that's what we, that's what we the people is. Okay, wow. So people who want to get a license in the cannabis industry Yes. East or West Coast, they can come to you to get the legal support because there's a lot there, right? Like it's applying yes. for a license and then ah, do, meeting all the checklists, which from what I'm learning, it seems like it's very easy to mess up. For sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of different layers. It's a lot of different. And it definitely takes a team um, to make sure that we put forth the most successful, you know, license application. It's a really competitive industry still. Yeah. So I just, how did you like listening to the, really just listening to what you're saying you're doing? This is terrifying. <laughs> you're, you know, you're operating in this legally gray industry and you're working with a partner on like the complete other side of the country. Where did you find, like, why, why, where did you find the courage to do that? What motivates you? I'm sure it's not always easy, like as you're you right. know, developing this. So, so what keeps you going despite the uncertainty? I would have to say the lack of, of, of diversity on, on the legal end. Once again, it's like, um, I'm a, we call it the illicit market out here because we don't like to use the term black market. Right. Um, so on the illicit market, we have more minorities because it's so hard and there's so much red tape and there's so many hoops you have to fall, uh, jump through to get on the legal side. However, we're the most incarcerated for the same uh, product that, you know, my aunt and my dad and everybody, you know, a lot of other people's family members uh, went to jail for. Yeah. So, I mean, the fight, I mean, still continues. There's a lot of great, you know, um, minority groups out there that are still pushing for change because it's kind of sad. You know that 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 we're still you know always fighting for something, and it's always this war on drugs, and it's really war on black and brown people. Mm -hmm. You know, majority of our clients are don't look like us. Yeah. You know, I can say how many African American or brown brown or Asian clients we have on one hand. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just like we still we we show up to these meetings. We're the only you know minority 
black minority there. Um, so there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah and I think that, that's really important because I feel that the cannabis industry is kind of spearheading this whole idea of having social equity as a part of the industry. Like, I don't really know other industries that do that. But at the same time, as you are illustrating with your story, that that doesn't mean that the cannabis industry has arrived. <laughs> there's a lot right. of work and there's space for everyone. It's just difficult. And, and I love hearing right. the story because what your story is showing me and hopefully everyone who's listening is like, you kind of have a choice. You could say, man, this is just really unfair. And that's the end you put a period on it or man, this is really unfair. What can I do? Like, how can I show up here um, to make a difference? Um, Cause yeah, there are gonna be people who hear about you and who see you and who then see themselves in your story and feel like there's space for me. So just taking that step it's like an act of service that you're doing while also benefiting yourself and creating right. your own brand and your own, right. your own wealth. So that's beautiful. My last question for you, Amber, is um, you have a lot of experience here, like just kind of forging your own path. So I would say from the time that you left the U.S. Attorney's Office to now, what has been the most important lesson that you've learned as a um, a cannabis professional and entrepreneur? I was, I'd have to say the most important lesson would be transparency. Mm. You know, this industry has a lot of layers and a lot of people are, it's, it, it can get shady, like just like any industry, but this one can get really shady. I think just having like being transparent with, with, with what you want, being transparent about what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. Um, and just have like your own, like your values, your own ethics that you have, because I mean, it, it can get, I've seen a lot of deals like with the social equity program and a lot of, you know, predatory lenders, predatory uh, investors, which I, I have some clients like that. Um, but it's really about like your values, like what, what's, what's important to you? If you want to chase like, you know, the money or you want to chase the bag, you can do that. Hmm. Or if you, if you want to do it with your ethics involved also, it might take a slower, you know, it might be a little slower. But, you know, it, it really depends on what your values are. Mm-hmm. It's big about being true to yourself, being transparent, um, and just voicing, you know, voicing, voicing what you want, and going after what you want. That, that, that's so powerful. And that's actually the first time that I've heard someone say that specific answer, but it, it seems really essential. Like, yeah just because there might be rules like social equity that look good there is a way to mess that up (laughs) a big way yeah la la is is for example (laughs) los angeles the city of los angeles yes yeah so i love that knowing who it just sounds like know who you are and what you stand for and what you really want yeah sticking to that exactly exactly there's a lot of sharks out here Mm. Um, I consider myself a shark too, but I'm more like an ethical shark, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I like I do what's best for my clients. We do what's best for our clients always. Um, but at the same time, we have our own integrity. We have our own ethics. We have our own values that we're not willing to, you know, bend or nudge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's good, Amber. That's a good word. Woo! <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I really hope people listening 
I, I just that you absorb this information because this is a person who is doing it right now. She's doing it. Um, there's space for you if you were if you want to you know get it if you are right now working for the U.S. federal government. Turns out, <laughs> right? <laughs> we know how they we know how they feel about cannabis right now. So, <laughs> right, exactly. There is a path for you as well. So, thank you again, Amber. Really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's episode of the Greenlight Podcast. If you support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five star review. That'll help others find us and learn more about social equity in the cannabis industry. You can find out more about Marijuana Matters and our Minorities in Cannabis Boot Camp by checking out our website, MarijuanaMatters.org. And you can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Marijuana Matters DC. Thanks for joining us. Talk soon.